Does everybody know what time it is? Time to wrap up for the day. I think we're making progress. I will see you next week. Oh, um, okay. I, I'm sorry. It just always seems to go by so fast. I'll grab a few more Kleenex here because it's grunt work. side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive carved an owl into his leather seats. I took a Binford 6100 slugger to both headlights, slashed a hole in all four tiles. Well, all four tires, actually, not all four tiles. Maybe next time he'll think before he listens to Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV series Home Improvement that honors the vows of both marriage and doctor-patient confidentiality. I'm your host, Truman, the Trust Man, Caps, and with me as always is my co-host Landon, the Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary Man Solano. Um, <laughs> Landon, has there ever been good therapy on a TV show ever once <laughs> in history? I felt like there were hints of it uh, in an earlier season. Every once in a while... I mean, certainly the premise of Frasier is ridiculous, so let's not look at that too deeply. But every (laughs) once in a while, they don't demonstrate it, but I feel like they speak of good therapy, at least between him and Niles. When when you say the premise of Frasier is ridiculous, you mean the premise that women really want to fuck Kelsey Grammer, right? That's that's the thing that that, that (laughs) he fucks? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, I think that that on Frasier, they sometimes, in theory talk about good psychological concepts and there are fleeting moments where he is actually helping someone but yeah by and large i don't think it's there sopranos a lot of like the the celebrity call-ins are Mm -hmm. pretty wackadoo people yes yeah and and even and even there are some outright ethical concerns that he and niles get into from time to time and doctor patient confidentiality comes up uh i think that i think Sopranos, you can make some some arguments for Doctor Melfi. I know you've not seen it, but I think I've that not. by by and large, it seems like the therapeutic process isn't making Tony Soprano a better person. And then you watched. <laughs> I, I have not seen New Heart. That was about a therapist. Have you seen? Have you? Seen? Yeah. Um. Which you know, I guess is uh somewhat prescient because it's directed or uh, stars Peter Bonners who directed mm-hmm. this episode. Um. I I mean. No, <laughs> and, but but that one I think is closer than Frasier, but it it's still a no, mostly because our view of psychology, uh, especially behavioral psychology, has changed so much since the seventies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just feels out of date in that regard. Yeah, and. I guess you're kind of also up a creek whenever a, a therapist shows up on a TV show because the whole concept of there being a person who people will confess confess just their deepest, darkest secrets to, and then that person holding on to that knowledge. As a TV writer, that is just too juicy of a character to to not <laughs> like you can't you can't just I mean I guess it's not interesting. I mean it's too it's too tempting of a of a plot line. It's like the one ring. Like if you're a writer and one of your characters is a therapist, it's like, oh man, they're gonna learn secrets and have to have to try and keep the secret and they'll right. fail. And it you know, I Right. So I, I guess I I guess I understand why, but it's still always a little disheartening when you get an episode like this one, which it's true. And and you're getting a little into my my personal reflection. So, but before we get there, I do have a, a preamble thing oh. that I want to bring up. Well, well yeah. Be a pre- Wait, is it house related? 
it, wait, wait, <laughs> what, did, what did water do to you this time? Too much of it, too little of it? <laughs> There's been no more puddle incidents. Oh, thank um, God. That, that's congratulations. We're all very proud of you. I had uh, a very bizarre experience recently. Oh. Um, I went to a craft fair. That that doesn't sound bizarre based on your recent life trajectory. <laughs> I went to a craft fair, and I was shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it was the first craft fair that I've been to since moving to Wisconsin. When, when and, you say you mean like craftsmen, like tools and stuff, or like no, no, arts and like crafts? you, like arts and crafts. You know, oh, okay, baskets and and you know, hand printed totes. Yeah, and you know hand ceramics and yeah jellies and candles and Ooh. you know that that stuff yeah you had me at jellies yeah go on <laughs> so um i went to this craft fair and i was kind of shocked yeah the reality that home improvement has uh in the looks that other men gave me Ooh. Okay, wait. So the reality that okay, multiple questions. Home improvement. You okay. mean the capital H and I or the the institution yes. of home improvement? Okay, and how home improvement the TV show depicts the disdain or the 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 just general feeling that men have being dragged to something they don't want to go to. Mm-hmm. I thought that was such a relic of the '90s, and that even if it were true to some degree, it would be a lot of passive aggressiveness to their, yeah. their significant other, not the pleading, um, sympathetic looks that they give each other. <sighs> so you were getting like, you were, you were getting dudes being like, Hey man, I get it. Right. Yeah. We're both in this together. Wow. You were, you were Just being this offered kind of sad, sad sap walking a few steps behind the, you know, their, their significant other, just sharing a look at me like, can you believe we're stuck in this shit? <laughs> oh, man. We'd both rather be at the game. Am I right, bud? <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, it's kind of being offered membership in a club that you don't want to be in. That's, that's, uh, I know. that's an interesting. I know. <laughs> interesting I know. Every, every look that I, I didn't know how to respond to the looks because I'm just like, I don't know what to tell you, dude. I fucking love these trinkets. So, yeah. like, you should have tried to sell them on trinkets. You should have <laughs> tried to get them on board. Like, go up to them and be like, hey, man. You know, it's almost as good as uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 that you would have been playing right now <laughs> is uh, there's this there's this jelly at stall 23. It's fig jam and you get a taste of that. And that's like a kill streak right there. You, you got to go try it out <laughs> like you could like you could be part of the solution. Work, work them from mm. the inside like the departed. Uh, I'm going to have to internalize that and and take it to the next one that I go to. I, I think there's something there. Uh, uh you, you, there needs to be connect, an access point. Give these people a way to contextualize the surroundings that they're in. Like if they, if if these dudes would embroider how they're feeling about being here, if they would channel it into embroidery, they could then come to these things, sell the embroideries, like that, like that. <laughs> Like they're all having big feelings and are in need of a community to 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 talk about it. And instead of a mournful look, why not you know why not make a tote bag out of out of what you're you're grappling with? Um, did you get anything <laughs> yeah. good at the craft fair? 
I did not. Uh, I mentioned recently I had to buy a furnace, so my spending is uh, on lockdown for the rest of the year. Your scented your scented candle budget has been sharply reduced. Uh, it's it's <laughs> practically eliminated. I don't feel like I've ever been in a situation where where like I have felt there's some sort of dude kinship that I am try- that I am trying to be offered. Like I've never been in a place where other guys are looking at me and going like, "Hey, one of us." Am I right? Like. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just, I guess it must be that dire of circumstances at the craft fair though for dudes. I mean, yeah, I, cause there's, there's like, there, there were two kinds of guys there. They're the mm-hmm. ones that actually three kinds. Oh, they're the, the kind that silently follow behind their significant other a few steps and just kind of like shoulders drooped. Are, are, are they completely upset that they're are, there? Are they texting while they're doing this? No, no wow. hands and pockets usually. Uh, if <laughs> oh my God. If, it depends on the, the the person, but you know some of them might get enlisted to carry a purse or a shopping bag. Oh wow, this is this is really like just the the what you see on commercials and stuff. Where yeah, it's like drag your man to K Jewelers and you guys to hold your purse while you look for. Oh wow, I'm 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 just <laughs> then, surprised to see it in the wild. There, there's another type of personality. There's the. Uh, and these are a little more rare, I'm not going to lie, uh, but I did see at least two of them where it's still the guy taking charge of the situation and yeah. coming up with a game plan mm-hmm. of, okay, uh, I think we you need to hit this side first because there's less people over here and you're going to be able to work your way across, you know, like really taking logistics to the whole thing. <laughs> you know, uh, okay, but I have to say respect. Like, either that guy wants to be there, or even if he doesn't want to be there, he's still, like, trying to be a helper and being involved in the day. Good for him, it I was say. A little, it was a little less, I don't know, I to me, it was a little less being a helper and more, like, you got to do it this way so that we can get out of here faster. Oh, okay. My hat goes back on, and, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, and it's not getting tipped. And then, then there's the, like, completely disengaged, uh, guys who like the second they spot a chair they're like <laughs> I will sit here and wait for you until you're done <laughs> oh man I've I've felt that though I've as a kid especially when my parents and I would go to art museums I was like okay where's the bench in this room <laughs> and I didn't have a phone so it's just like I have some I need a bench where I can sit and think about playing video games because that's all I've got um <laughs> Wow. So, so really, so the best type of guy is the one who is silently following and with his hands in his pockets, holding a purse. He is being I don't a know. helper. That's that's on the far end of the spectrum, though. I mean, like, have a little bit of self respect. Like, I what I don't understand is why can't you drum up for one half hour of your day an interest in something beyond what you're normally interested in? Mm-hmm. You know, and ask a ask a question of like. If someone, you know, if the person you're with express interest in a particular mug, it's just like, oh, interesting. What caught your eye about that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, why do you have to be any of those three? <laughs> I am I am flashing back to, uh, uh, I guess it was two days ago when my girlfriend and I went to Costco and she was browsing through some, like, uh, ladies' sweatshirts and I was standing there being bored. And I am now thinking, yeah, 
why didn't you do those things, Truman? Why didn't you, like, ask her questions about, like, you could have at least been in, you were out having a perfectly nice day eating samples and hanging at Costco. Why didn't you go the extra mile? (laughs) Well, I mean, like, you don't, you don't need to solve something for the other person. You don't need to be, you know, a ball and chain that they're dragging around because, you know, like, then there's a sort of sense of guilt or they might feel like they have to hurry up. Like, yeah, just true. It's, it's a, I, I'm not putting that on you. I'm putting it on the, the types of people I saw at this craft fair. But. Uh, well, no. And I'm, I am only, I am, I'm having this revelation on air because I want to show that this grunt work is not just a show where Landon and I talk shit about other men and feel superior. This is also a show where occasionally we reflect on our own behavior and think about how we can be better specifically when it <laughs> pertains to being bored in a public place. Yes. Um, I'm glad we had this little talk. I feel like I've grown yeah. as a person. I have one more thing. Yeah. Uh, it's a grunt work specific thing. Oh, um, good. A uh, note 13 that minutes I forgot in, to hit. germane to the title. Okay, what do we got? <laughs> a note that I forgot to talk about last week. Oh. Um, on last week's episode, what, uh, okay, so there was a, a scene, it was very quick, very nonchalant. Is this a prank? wasn't a focus of the episode. And um, it's a prank. It's not, <laughs> it's not a prank pretty sure it's a prank that's what you'd say if you were pranking me (laughs) it's not a prank there was a moment when um i think brad and mark and jill were in the living um the kitchen the dining area good lord Mm -hmm. get your rooms right yeah come on it's only been they were been eight seasons i think it was the day after the halloween party yes and uh they were getting ready for dinner there were five places set at the table Mm mm-hmm oh but there's only four people in the house. <laughs> they they well, still set one in memory of Randy. No, oh, Landon. I don't. Okay, actually, I'm sorry. I have I have multiple compounding regrets. One of them is that I have to correct you from this beautiful impression you have. Another one is that I apparently remember this much granular detail about last week's episode, which does not Uh-oh. deserve the brain space. Uh, they had said in that scene that Wilson was going to be joining them for dinner. He's half an hour late for dinner. That is what arouses their... I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I hate to do this, and I furthermore hate that I'm capable of doing this because I internalized <laughs> this fact. But no, no, my best no. friend Randy remains in Costa Rica. They're not setting now, a, a table for him. Now that you say it, I do remember... I do remember that. Okay, sorry. so sorry. let's strike strike this from the record. Th- th- this is this is our favorite segment, the one where we misremember elements of previous episodes. Um, <laughs> yet a- yet another thing to discourage first time listeners. Um, Incorrections and additions. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Landon, what happened yep. this week on Home Improvement? If you want to just bring people up to speed about the current week of the TV show. <laughs> the, the current episode? Yeah, sure. Yes. Uh, okay, season eight, episode seven. We got 20 more of these to go after this. Ugh. Here's what Ow. happened. Really hurts. There's Heidi and Scott. They're married with a kid. Mm-hmm. Happily? We'll see. Mm. One of Jill's patients tells her she's sleeping with Scott, which Jill tells Tim, oops, all the tea gets spilt. <laughs> Heidi learns of the affair. Who's really to blame? What? Well, I mm, the haiku form doesn't leave leave enough space, I guess, for us to opine on who really is to blame. Um, Landon, po- who's, possibly... who's the, not, not who's to blame for the affair? Who's to blame for Heidi learning of the affair? Mm, yes. Well, is it the person conducting the affair or the person that uh, uh, broke patient confidentiality or the person that? told 
Heidi in the first place. Was it a, was it a problem for you in writing those haikus that patient confidentiality is more than seven syllables and you <laughs> there's just like no way to fit it in? You get, I'm not telling my process. A bunch of bunch of crumpled up uh, papers all over Landon's house with the <laughs> di- different attempt doctor patient confidentiality confident. Um, I only I only write haikus in sand and then rake them back over when I'm done. That's I'm that's beautiful. I mean that explains uh, why they are so good. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's what happened this week. Uh, I would ask you what yeah. you thought, but first I want to ask for some technical specifications about this episode. Uh, well, I'll tell you the technical specifications after this episode, after you guess that title. Oh, right, of course. Well, you know, I every time I try to outsmart the, the system, I still can't do it. All right, three options for <laughs> what this title could be. And will any of them okay. be funnier than my inability to memorize our schedule after five years? No, probably not. First, Therapist... P-I-S-S-E-D. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, because, you know, I think that's relevant to what happens. Um, A plus title. Th- this next one, uh, maybe not as high rated, Confidentiality. I recognize that Al is not really at all in this episode, aside from a tool time segment, but, uh, you know... Not all the not all the taglines that you write are going to be great, but you want to fill out that list so your boss thinks that you worked a full day. Um, all right, <laughs> next, next, next. Uh, not so great, Scott. Ding 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 ding. Wait, really? Yes. No, this is a prank. Uh, no, I'm not pranking you. A hundred percent. It's not so great, Scott. This. Are you sure this isn't a prank? I, I want to start up the DVD and actually look at the title this time. I mean, you could just go on IMDb or Wikipedia. I, okay, I'm gonna. I'm, guys, listen to the sound of my keyboard. It's actually not so great, Scott. Home. Jesus Christ. What the hell? Oh, my God. <laughs> what the fuck? I had just a gut instinct that you were going to get this one. I just, I <sighs> knew it. It felt like a Truman title. The second I saw it, I'm like, it's in his wheelhouse. Oh my it's, God. I, 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 I just, I, I felt it in my bones. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> this is, I think the cleanest guess that title we've ever done. Oh my God. That is, uh, this, that really, I now know why I guess that is such a good feeling. <laughs> just took eight seasons but oh my um, god well i mean i feel yeah like, so i've finally gotten on their level or they've finally descended to my level one or the other <laughs> either either way uh not so great scott aired on november 3rd 1998 directed by peter bonners and written by laurie gelman beyond mm. the elation you're currently feeling how did you feel about this episode um i felt gross i felt gross as hell <laughs> watching this episode didn't like it <laughs> Did not enjoy <laughs> um, it, the 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 crux of it for me, and and I may be eating your lunch a little bit when I say this, is that Heidi already gets so little to do on this show, but then yeah. when she is featured in an episode, it's an episode where she's publicly humiliated because three different people violate their like her trust. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not not awesome. Um, it's <laughs> no. it's also vexing to me because this episode i've been saying vexed a lot but i think it's better than lament uh this episode less letters uh, well that's that's true for the people who do the transcripts and and it's a higher scrabble score 
I, well, I, oh, actually, also true. So for the uh, Gruntwork Scrabble edition, uh, there's going to be massive point <laughs> inflation. Um, Jill seems to understand, the and, and the episode seems to understand the gravity of what Jill has done, kind of disclosing confidential information from a therapy session and having it completely blow up some people's lives. But then the show is not interested in, like, the show acknowledges how bad it is, but then kind of just laughs it off and hand waves it away. And it's interesting, after so many years of seeing Tim do horrible stuff and get away with it with no consequences, maybe the first time we've really seen that happen for Jill, where she does something objectively, egregiously terrible and is forgiven, just, it's yeah. not an issue. Um, so, well, re refreshing I, I wanna, change. I want to hear more about yours, but that dovetails into a yeah. note of mine, uh, yeah. a reflection of mine, which is that the writing this season just feels sloppy to me, mm -hmm. and I, it's, it, at episode seven feel like it's, you know, worth calling it, you know, like it's maybe it'll get better. But the problem I've had, I have with this episode I've had with previous episodes, which is like, they don't know what the conflict is that needs to get resolved. Mm -hmm. Is it, is it the patient confidentiality breach? Yeah. Is it Heidi and Scott, you know, Scott having an affair and Heidi having to come to terms with that? Is it Tim telling Heidi after Jill has, breach the patient confidentiality and because of that it just doesn't wrap up any of them satisfactorily yeah yeah it, it it seems like there are there are again a bunch of things in here that could make for a compelling and interesting episode but it seems yeah. like the real driving force for them choosing this subject to make an episode about was them wanting to make jokes about sex that's pretty much it like it, uh, there a lot of innuendos yeah. and crude jokes about parking the Chevy in someone else's garage and, and stuff it, in the cannoli. There's just more. Yeah, that that is the thing that they they wanted to do the most. I think. Uh, my Gross. my other reflection yeah. is, uh, you know, it, it goes without saying. I don't need to make a big deal about this. You don't have to be crazy or have life altering circumstances to go to therapy. It's very <laughs> like, true. It's just, very true. There there's that. So yeah. Uh, I'm, I don't need to to bang that that bell any louder than it needs to be rung. Um, but you know, yeah, there's that. Yeah, and also, um, you know, if you if you go to therapy, you can be reasonably confident, if not very confident, that your therapist is not going to just blurt out key details about your problems well. to their idiot uh, husband. I I mean, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I've just had a I good mean, do run your with research. my therapist. I, I had a I had a therapist that tried to hook me up with another one of her patients by showing me her patient's profile True. on Facebook. So, uh, you know, just do your research. Yeah, actually, I mean, yeah. Ma majority of your experiences aren't going to be that, but y I'm not yes. going to say that those people don't exist. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. I guess that's true. There's a lot of assholes out there, but just don't let don't let this episode be the thing that keeps you from going to therapy. Yeah. Um. Do, do you just want to crack it well, open? I want. I want to. No, I don't. I wanna. I, I wanna propose one thing mm. for you since we're oh. in the final season. Okay. I think. I. I don't know if you want to do this over the rest of the season or just do it in the super spectacular. But I. I had an idea. Yeah. And I think you had mentioned it recently. I. I wish I could remember exactly your phrasing because it was brilliant. It was like this show over any other show is wildly inconsistent. Yes. <laughs> Yes, one of the most inconsistent uh, TV shows ever. I think we should put it upon our shoulders to put together 
the perfect home improvement series. Mm-hmm. So going through and just cutting out all the fat so that by the time we're done here, we have just the best example of what home improvement can be. The the, the best the best season of home improvement. Yeah, uh, like one series. good season. Like, like, yeah, but we can pick from every season yeah, that there is. Yeah. But like one season's like just worth a, a of playlist. Good. Let's put together the the all time great home improvement playlist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It means I can't say that I would go back and necessarily rewatch a whole. But well, I mean, I guess no. I'd rewatch the good ones. Yeah, but the idea is that anyone who wanted to watch Home Improvement but not have to be bogged down by basically any episode dealing with therapy, yeah, <laughs> can can actually walk away. Uh, with a really good experience with the show. Because I it, think it's there, but I just hate having to trudge through this stuff. I, I know. I think that's a I think that's a great idea. And that in fact could be the most valuable public service that this podcast does is just giving you the home improvement episodes to watch. Like when you've got your fond memories of it from being a kid and then yes. watching an episode where it's like, oh, that's actually really funny. Ah, Wilson behind the fence, not just having a beard on or something like, you know, like the, all of the. <laughs> oh, and there's JTT doing a funny joke, like giving you all the bits that you remember, all the things that you like, all the best writing, the show at its its yeah. finest. And never mind the other 200 or so episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than 200. It's more than like three episodes. I, I think there's a good yeah. season seasons worth of of episodes that we could put together this is very true this is very true there are there are a lot of good ones out there there's enough to, to fill out pro- yeah easily easily 20 to 25 um yep. yeah which in its way is also damning the show with faint praise and that's not something that i'm trying to do um yeah no i think, <laughs> well, I think we should do that but this episode would not be on that list agreed but uh what do you say let's go eat some italian food instead of doing the deep dive I, look, I, that's that's my eating Italian food is my substitute for just about any task I don't want to do. <laughs> that's amore. So we start at tool time on location, uh, where uh, yes, once again on location, uh, Tim and Al and Heidi are building a wine cellar for a rich lady named Marcy Miller, and then um, because they forget to reinforce the floor, a big rack full of expensive wine falls through the floor hate when that happens just a to just really a. I mean you'd think also wine cellars are typically in a basement so there's not like <laughs> anything below that so right it's very heavy wine i guess um yeah i mean uh, you you summed it up perfectly we're we're in a, a tool time on location uh scene episode sequence that is just like a montage of different things they're doing throughout the house um, you know, they are doing moisture control. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was I relevant. Mean, you, you're at <laughs> their, um, uh, Mount. Okay. Oh, they're doing the, the, um, humidifier to keep it at a, uh, brisk, uh, 65% humidity, mm-hmm. you know, doing all these little things. And we get the like mini transitions between scenes. Yes. Um, uh, why is tool time on location so much this season? I, I don't know. I mean, it really, uh, again, I know that I know that I posited this last week and you corrected me that, that you know, no, it's not just that they shot a whole batch of tool times up front and were just slotting them into episodes. It's that maybe they're clearing the set to, to make some other thing or something or build some man's whatever. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the case here. I, I just, I mainly know that, again, it. I don't think that they wrote this segment 
with a million cuts in it because it's really abrupt. Like yeah. they 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 talk about we're building well, a wine. Well, so- yeah, they they did to a certain degree. I mean, I do think it's chopped up, but you know, th- the room that they're in is progressively built out more and more. I guess so. It- they did have to like stop and add the the racks of wine. They did have to stop and add the wood paneling and. I, okay, I, I guess I guess that's true. I, I guess then the real thing, and this comes back around to your kind of uh, critique of the writing, and indeed my critique of the writing, is that if the idea is we're going to have a bunch of bits and and the place is progressively built out more and more as we do it, the bits just need to be stronger than Tim yep. like doing an impression of an old timey butler or. <laughs> Tim like three times yeah 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 multiple scenes ending with Tim going oh dear would you leave the silver and you know razzmatazz or or <laughs> something you know like a joke about other hanging up plastic sheeting to to control humidity and then Tim pops in and goes in it seals the freshness in and that's just enough to to take us to the next to the next bit and it's like well these aren't really yeah. they're not really carrying us forward no, they're not. And the, there's an inconsistency, too, in, in Tim's performance. I don't know how I want to phrase it exactly, because I don't mm-hmm. want to hang it entirely on Tim Allen's shoulders. But, like, you know, Tim is clowning around doing the Jeeves voice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the first two instances of the scene. Uh, but then, the, like, when they're hanging the humidifier, Al just gives a, a, you know, very informational bit about keeping the room at 65% humidity and Tim gives such a snarky answer to him for some reason. It's like, but there wasn't even anything to make fun of there. Tim is doing, Tim like goes off of humidity and 65% humidity and Tim goes in at like a 10% chance of rain or something like that. Like making fun of Al for being like a weatherman by using data. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, or just, you know, letting people know, Hey, we're watching a fucking home improvement show and how to build a wine cellar. Maybe this is important information. <laughs> so now, I, yeah. Now we're, but were you especially uh, vexed if I may by that? Because just last week you were saying you wished tool time would talk about how to keep your house appropriately humid. So you don't get yes. bleeds. But like, <laughs> Not only is Tim being rude to Al, but he's interrupting crucial information that you need to do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm glad I know that 65% humidity is a pretty good uh, uh, gauge to keep it at, at least for a wine cellar. Yeah, but also, I mean, that that was humidity in 1998. With inflation, I mean, I think you want probably more like 80% humidity at this point. Oh, my um, God. In this economy? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, they, yeah, I don't know. They build out the wine room. The one thing I like is that when... Uh, you know, they, they say, you know, the, the woman comes in, so oh, these racks are really tall. Are they going to fall over? And Tim says, no, I've bolted them to the wall myself. And I'm thinking, okay, the racks are going to fall over and the wine's going to crash. All right. And the, yeah. the fact that then they talk about how they've weighted the bottom of this, this rack in the center. And then there's the, wait, you, you reinforced the floor, right? I didn't reinforce the floor. Did you reinforce the floor? And it falls through. <laughs> I didn't expect that. That was, it not was a misdirect. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but to your question, though, your your very first question is like, shouldn't a seller be in the s- cellar? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, unless this lady's so rich that she has a secondary seller, like a seller for her seller. <laughs> should, uh, we, should we talk a little bit about the fact that the whole concept of this is based on the idea that, hey, it's 1998, and one of the new hobbies that people are, that sweep in the nation is wine collecting. Yeah, yeah. That was weird. That's how Al introduces it, as though we need an introduction to the concept of having wine in your house. Did, I mean, 
I don't know. This is another thing. Like, what was that? A trend? Was that like I, swing dancing where people in the 90s just started? I thought people I, always had wine. I mean, I, I don't think it was. Um, people have always had wine. and But I do think it was a thing, just not to the extent that they're making it out to be here. Or at least, I don't know, maybe, maybe the writers are so out of touch and they're like, oh, yeah, we've been doing this show for eight seasons now. I've got, you know money in the bank all of my rich friends are collecting wine so clearly mm. that's a thing that i don't i don't want wow. to put that on them but G- good point though good point i mean pro- probably probably the writers for this went to enough uh wine and cheese parties in brentwood that this just kind of like was like yeah this does <laughs> this does seem relevant um, i don't know but at the same time though i do think that there is something to it cuz i do think around this time i i remember seeing hearing more discussions about wine seeing people have them around more like as i think further back into my childhood it's like i really only saw alcohol come out like champagne white wine uh even red wine come out um on like new year's eve christmas eve uh you know thanksgiving it Mm. certainly wasn't a hey it's sunday afternoon let's you know break open the the pinot Mm, you you and I had different childhoods. Yes, yes. Interesting, interesting information. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, maybe that's why I didn't notice that it suddenly became a craze at a certain point in time because it was, um, you know, that trend caught on a little earlier in, in some places. Um <laughs> Well, so I, I don't know. Have you got have you got more for this cold open? Because it has no bearing on the rest of the episode. Let me tell you. Uh, I'll do a character actor corner at the oh. very end, uh, which will cover um, Marcy. In um, I, I will say, it's just one of the weirder. Her she almost is like smitten with Tim for half a second. I, that I took me by surprise. It's usually they're smitten with Al, but yeah, yeah, it's a weird trigger. The fact that she's. But it seems only like it's it's because she was written specifically to find Tim's jokes amusing. So maybe just anyone laughing that hard at <laughs> yeah. jokes that bad is going to seem like they're flirting. <laughs> That's why I was hired. Yeah. Ooh. Um. <laughs> wait. For, you mean for the you mean for the, the for the podcast or for your current yeah. job? Oh, okay. <laughs> for the podcast. Uh. Well, uh, the other thing worth mentioning, um, or just asking uh, the question of like. I want my basement finished. How do I get tool time to come over to my place and do a project? Yeah. Well, like, I mean, like, who the fuck? Who the fuck is Marcy? Why is she getting a fucking wine cellar built for her? Marcy already seems kind of rich. So yeah. even though the whole all these jokes about how oh, it's not just for rich snobs anymore, she has like an intercom in her house and a very rare well, so bottle do the of tailors. wine. Yeah. Well, okay. So do the tailors, but that but it doesn't always work, and her intercom seems to work. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Tailors have uh, snakes in their intercom sometimes. Yeah, which is, you know, that's not as bad as when the snakes are on a plane, but it's it's still worse than a snake in its normal environment. Um, yeah. Well, and I guess also the fact that she has like a wine collection with like seven hundred bottles in it, which is a yeah a, a bit much, a bit excessive. All of those bottles uh, shoot their corks out at the screen, and one hits us right smack in the center and cracks it, and it takes us to the theme song. Yes. Um, did you notice that Taryn Noah Smith is credited as Taryn Smith now? It's huge, wild stuff. What? I know. I only noticed that Jonathan Taylor Thomas is no longer credited. So <laughs> we're back at the at the house, at the Taylor house, and uh, Tim is working on the hot rod with a handsome dude who we find out is Scott, Heidi's husband. 
uh, and uh, they finish their work and Heidi and Jill come in and they uh, talk about uh, going out to dinner together sometime soon, doing a little, uh, a little uh, double dating. Um, And this of course glosses over the fact that we get a cameo appearance from Mark and not just any Mark, (laughs) Mark with something to do. And the first of a couple cameo appearances from Mark. So this is a huge Mark episode, arguably the best Mark episode yet. I am surprised that Mark has uh, been elevated to cameo, or maybe demoted to cameo status. <laughs> Featured guest, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, well, so what, what are Tim and Scott talking about here? Because I, I think I, that's kind of important to the rest of the episode. I mean, they're talking about the they're talking about the car at first, but then it kind of transitions to Tim talking about how much he likes Scott's wife, Heidi. She's a great gal, so that we, the audience, yeah. understand. Oh, this is Scott, who we have heard yeah. about for so long. Long the long and the Vera Peterson of this show. The uh, the well, I mean, Al's mom is that Vera Peterson of the show. Okay, true. The uh, the other thing, just in case we are confused by this person we've never met before, later in the episode when someone starts talking about him, he is wearing a very blatant Channel 8 t-shirt. <laughs> uh, can I be honest? I kind of want that Channel 8 t-shirt. It looks really <laughs> cool. Real nice design on that. I mean, I'm not knocking the, the design of it. It's just like so blatant. <laughs> Yes, yeah, po- pointing arrows at, at at Scott and what his job is. And, I mean, it is it is handy also that Heidi's husband also works at the TV station. I mean, it's just interesting that, um, I mean, you'd think we would have met him before now if he had been someone who's just in the general milieu of making tool time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, it's it seems late to be bringing him in. I know, it just goes to show, like, we should have had more Heidi episodes before this. Yes. In fact, one of the things that, you know, I am immediately put off by by this scene is, I don't give a shit about this fucking hot rod anymore. Show me Heidi and Jill hanging out. Yeah, yeah. Also, they're not even, I think they're working on the Nomad at this point, which isn't even the main hot rod. That's, like, the car Jill <laughs> drives. Well, no, Jill drives the Healy. I don't know who drives the Nomad. How many fucking classic cars does this family have for practical purposes i I think once once jill got the healy uh the nomad became the family car so it's probably what brad takes out and you know tim can work on it now and just absolutely insane to be a family of four with with three or four drivers like kids errands to run and and every one of your cars is a classic you know collector's (laughs) item can't take it to a normal shop Parts yeah. aren't made for it anymore. Just, <laughs> I we've probably talked about it before, and it's not the point here. It's just a, a thing. It's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but they're just talking about doing more work on it. And this is what, when Mark comes in with the video camera and is filming them, he's talking about how, uh, you know, week three, Dad claims to be finished with the Nomad. The delusion continues. We- <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, okay, so here's one. I, I don't. I love Mark. You know that. I'm yeah. Not oh, oh I'm well aware. In any way, shape, or form. Um, his jokes are pretty lame sauce in this yep. scene and this episode. Uh, this, but... this joke assassin has lost his touch. He's he's like Barry on the TV show <laughs> Barry. But I do love that they are continuing with his passion for filmmaking. Yeah. Like, that wasn't a culmination in A Night to Dismember. 
uh, but a kind of, uh, you know, a rival siren. Like, okay, the filmmaker is here. Mm-hmm. This is going to carry his character through to the rest of the, the series. Maybe they realize, oh, yeah, we don't have a character for Mark <laughs> seven seasons in, so this is going to be him now. We, we tried We tried having Goth be his character, and that didn't really work. So now we're going to carrying a, <laughs> a, a camera around. And... I mean, I appreciate also that it's kind of an artsy film camera. Like, you know, it's got like a, a you know, in, shocked, interchangeable yeah. lens and stuff on it. It's not just a little home movies camcorder, which makes it seem more serious, too. Yeah, I mean, this is a little bit before when I went into film school where we had the the first generation of, like, mini DV cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm actually, I was looking at it going, oh, man, what is that film on? It's probably, like, Super High 8 or something like that, but... Uh, yeah, I was just, you're right. It it isn't, uh, just, you know, your, your general VHS camcorder. (laughs) Yeah. This, this ain't your daddy's amateur filmmaking. Um, uh, I have, I have one note just from the background, uh, Michigan note. Um, I was kind of, I don't know, this caught my eye and it made me feel things that I, I don't know, aren't particularly intense, but, um, there's a, a shelf in the background where Tim has always had his license plate mm-hmm. uh, put up there. Yeah. And um, he, they added a license plate uh, over oh. the season uh, to, to the what was unveiled, I think, right around this time in Michigan, um, mm-hmm. what is now the uh, pretty typical sunset uh, license plate design. Oh, so... Th- do you think that like the Michigan DMV just like sent the production or the a new license plate to just no oh, maybe get get the word out or something? <laughs> Either that or it's from the Tim Allen personal collection. Well, yeah, actually, uh, seems seems even more likely. He, uh, T- Tim is uh, Tim is the most detail oriented one on set. He wants all the license plates to match up. Um, well, I also we get a. a- yeah, well, but, okay, before, but like when when Jill comes in, Jill and Heidi come in, and you know Heidi's trying to get Scott to leave so they can go have a romantic night together. Um, they're saying, "Oh, we should go. Oh, we should all go out to dinner together." And Tim and Scott are saying we should go see some pro wrestling instead. I was briefly very concerned that we might be watching an episode that we should have watched with the Tope Suicida guys because if it's, <laughs> I mean, it, like if Tim Tim watching pro wrestling, that is that is a whole episode right there. We're gonna hear we're gonna hear grunting a lot in that episode if it ever were to happen. <laughs> the uh, I guess it's worth pointing out the what I thought was the best um, line of this uh, episode where. Heidi and Jill come in and say, oh, we were thinking about going to dinner. And Tim and Scott said, oh, we were thinking about wrestling. And Jill goes, well, you'd never beat us. Yeah, <laughs> it was really good. That That's my that is also my favorite line in the episode. I had to I had to pause. I was laughing so hard at that one. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. OK, yeah. we get a, a, a meal ticket like a what do you call those things? The, the oh. pad that you write. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's the thing the waiter. Yeah, just record. I think. Yeah, maybe meal ticket is that. It meal. T- I'm so used um, to meal ticket being a euphemism for a good job or a lucrative situation. Right. I never even thought of its origin. An order tab. I don't know. Mm. It's uh, but it's all handwritten. It says "Welcome to Sorrentino's." So oh. they're putting that thought into it. Uh, but it's written in like handwriting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Wait, veal parmesan. I, so I've got the prices. Of the, you tell me 1998 if these prices uh, sound reasonable to you. Okay. Okay, okay. okay. Veal parmesan, uh, $30.20. Oh, 
Oh, okay. Hang on a second. Uh, well, I just pull up my handy dandy inflation calculator here. That's uh, yeah, that's a fifty-five dollar veal parmesan in twenty twenty-two. Okay. Uh, fettuccine Alfredo uh, looks like twenty-seven dollars. Twenty-seven dollars. All right, you were paying fifty dollars almost just for a plate of creamy pasta. Yeah. Uh, pasta. Uh, I think this is pasta. Pasta marinara. Uh, twenty-two ninety or twenty-two dollars. Twenty-two dollars. That's okay. That is forty dollars, forty fifty-seven for uh, basically a plate of noodles and red sauce. This is. Yep. Why do they keep going to this restaurant? And uh, Penny Arabiata, uh, which they've spelled incorrectly, uh, $29. Wow. The Italian police here. How many dollars? <laughs> $29. $29. Okay. Plus plus a single Bloody Mary for seven fifty. Seven. Okay, so that's 50. It's the only thing that seems reasonable. Seven fifty for a Bloody Mary. And again, so that's... That's a yeah. That's about a thirteen dollar Bloody Mary, fourteen dollar Bloody Mary uh, today. Uh, wait, yeah. wait, wait. There's one more tax. Yeah. Ninety two cents. Ninety two cents. Uh, that's actually that. That might be the that might be the best one of uh, of all of them actually. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, no ninety. No, okay. Well, I I didn't I didn't run that right. So that looked like uh, thought I moved the decimal point wrong. Um, I don't know if that was great content necessarily, but I found it very interesting <laughs> trying to figure out uh, exactly how much shit cost at this place. Also, so it says on the the ticket, handwritten, welcome to Mangiano's or whatever. Sorrentino's, yeah. Welcome to Sorrentino's. So the waiter... Welcome to Sorrentino's Italian. So, but with the waiter hand wrote on his own meal ticket, welcome to Sorrentino's. <laughs> yes. So, so he would, is that so he would remember to say it? when he walked up to the table or did someone say that to him and he thought it was their order so he wrote it down by accident just maybe he was taking an order over the phone and the person was hemming and hawing and just he was doodling while he was waiting and he doodled the words welcome to sorrentino's the least interesting thing a person could doodle <laughs> well i don't know it's like if i have to say that when i first answer i could see writing that down but but he didn't but it, is it written with like a, a cool s for this for the sorrentinos and like are there like hearts dotting the has it's, it been it's like a different it's a different colored pen it's ooh. in blue the rest is in black okay okay have we ever gone this deep on a transition before because this one honestly is is pretty meaty and i think uh less <laughs> we, vexing we've than read the full episode. newspapers before I guess I guess that is true. Yeah, has he made any notes about like the wreckage of a steamboat making its way down river well, or something? No, like that? not yet. Okay, we'll see good. if something else comes up in this. Well, episode. let's hey, let's move to the wreckage of uh, Heidi and Scott's marriage. Am I right? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're not quite there yet. We're in Jill's, uh, I guess, student office where he she's meeting with uh, her first patient. Yes. And she's uh, talking to Wendy, who is a young lady who's uh, uh, in love with a married man who she works with. She mentions some facts about uh, this guy, uh, such as the fact that his name is Scott and he works at Channel 8. And uh, Jill very quickly starts freaking out because she realizes that this Scott and Heidi's Scott, who works at Channel 8, are the same guy. She reveals that she and Scott slept together and that uh, Scott got her an owl pin for her lapel. And, um, I don't know in terms, I've never had an affair. I've never really done anything illicit. If I were to buy someone a sexy piece of jewelry to commemorate our hookup, I don't know that like an owl, a big gold owl pin that is very noticeable would be the 
first thing I'd get. But again, I haven't done this before, so I I mean. There's nothing wrong to me in and of the owl itself, but getting the owl for her and spoiler alert, Heidi, both that's, that's the problem. That's 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 some real weird shit right there, Scott. Scott should be the one in the therapist's chair. <laughs> well, no kidding. The, the therapist's couch. I mean, not. It, I'm not saying Scott should be a therapist. Quite the opposite, in fact. Well, I, I, in a twist here, Jill is sitting on the couch and Wendy is in the chair. Oh wow. Wow. Uh, well, I mean, can, can we can we get as much out of that as we can get out of the meal ticket, though? Like, how much do you think that chair cost in 1998? <laughs> well, okay, all right. You want to dive into the scene? Let's yes. dive into the scene. Yes. Um, I'm not a therapist, but I was trying to put myself in Wendy's shoes. If if my therapist knew of the person I was talking about in that moment, um, would I want them to divulge that to me? I guess they couldn't because of. Well, I, Scott's not her patient, so she couldn't. I don't know. Like, I'm I'm wondering if Jill should have said something to Wendy and uh, you know absconded from further conversation. I I mean, probably the best thing for Jill to do is just say yeah to stop Wendy from talking and set her up with another therapist's ASAP. I mean, which maybe, she does, but yeah. she doesn't. She doesn't stop Wendy from talking. She does it, and she also does that in the worst possible way. But we'll get to that in a sec. Yeah, I I mean, I guess the other thing, though, is if she wants, you know, she also if she just abruptly gets up and says, I can't listen to any more of this and runs out of the room or like stops Wendy from talking in any way. Maybe she's thinking, oh, that's going to make Wendy even more anxious and feel even worse. So maybe she's trying to not exacerbate the situation or do no harm in the situation. I see. This is where I think having this be more centered around Jill's problem of patient confidentiality would be more interesting because. Yes. You could explore those things of her needing to go to, to go talk to you know her, you know the the professor that's overseeing her caseload and yeah. like asking what it, I don't know how funny that is as a, a sitcom, but um you know like at least it makes more logical sense and and we can figure that stuff out. Yeah, as it happens, it's just like Wendy says this stuff. Jill hims you know kind of goes uh, ooh, uh but yeah. that that Scott, um, and it ends pretty quickly. I don't know. It's just kind of a unaffecting scene. Uh, yeah, I I um I agree. It is kind of funny when she's you know stammering and and hemming and hawing after Wendy has said all these details and said, oh, "Are you sure you meant Channel Eight, uh, the TV station, or maybe you meant like a a bus station?" Because sometimes when people are under stress, <laughs> they they say the wrong thing. You know, they say something they don't mean, and Wendy kind of looks at her, and goes, "Are you under stress?" Which I, I <laughs> thought was good. Um. Yeah, it's I I no I agree with the your point though. Like, if if the episode just focused on this being Jill dealing with this information, it would be really interesting. But I think that they they kind of have to because they have to make it all about Tim and they have to shoehorn Tim into this situation. Yeah. They write in in the next scene, uh. Jill doing something really bad that like they make Jill act in a way that Jill would not actually act in order yeah. to get Tim into the middle of this situation and make it worse for everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's it is a, another case of like just the fact that this for some reason eight seasons in still needs to center around Tim makes it for a weaker episode. Like, yeah. I can imagine a, a scenario. I was kind of picturing like, well, what would Frazier's situation be like in this, you know, uh, w with this sort of 
subject matter. And it's like, well, okay, let's set up her, you know, college professor that oversees her stuff. His office is like right outside her office and she's Mm -hmm. super nervous. Maybe this is her first first ever client and she's you know like kind of manic and bouncing around and like oh god i don't know if i can do it and she goes in there and she like talks herself in she's like no you're right i got this and she goes and sits down and then the first thing she hears out of the first client she ever has (laughs) is that she's having an affair with heidi's husband yeah and she has to like excuse herself and go out and talk to the professor it becomes like a revolving door sort of thing and there's more action and it's not just two people sitting and, and Jill having to internalize it and then go into the next scene where, as you said, she acts in a way she wouldn't normally act. It kind of hides her internal struggle from us and it shows us the res- that the result of that internal struggle is to do the thing she absolutely should not do, which is... And would not do. Uh, yeah, and would not do. Uh, do we want to just go to this next scene? Yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, although we do get uh, an uh, claymation owl transition, which yeah. was... Adding, I, I, I want to just like, I want to see the the army of claymation figures that the animators have at this point, because uh, the owl breaks in through the outside window and smashes into the the camera lens. Um, Taking us to the next scene. A lot of things smashing into the camera lens, and I I know that happens a lot on Home Improvement, but in this episode specifically, <laughs> like we've already had yeah. corks, we've had an owl, like it's just aggressive even for this show. Uh, uh, yeah, but we're back at home. Jill's on the phone. What yes. you doing? Uh, so she's on the phone calling her boss or leaving a voicemail or something explaining that, oh, I've got a conflict of interest. I can't see Wendy anymore. Uh, she's having an affair with someone my husband works with. And, right, and Tim overhears this as he walks into the room and Tim starts pressing her trying to figure out who it could possibly be uh, of her clients who work with him. Uh, and... Uh, then finally, he browbeats her to the point that she blurts out that uh, Heidi uh, or that Scott is cheating on Heidi, and um, they start uh, bickering then because Tim doesn't believe that uh, that Scott could possibly be cheating on Heidi because he is a Chevy guy. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, just just really bad. You shouldn't when you're a therapist. Yeah, you shouldn't. Let's let's trigger warning this. for our audience. This scene, this particular scene, if you if you don't like us, you know, getting in the trenches here, just go ahead and hit that 30, 30 second skip ahead button. If, if yeah, if you don't if you don't like the way that we are about things, now is as good a time as any to unsubscribe from this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I let's start with the good thing. It's really good that Jill called her boss and said this is a conflict of interest. I can't work with her anymore. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen seen it handled in a little bit of a more interesting way than just a thrown away phone call. But yes, you're right. And I would like it if maybe she had not all she had to say was conflict of interest. She didn't have to fill out the rest of it. Correct. Leaving that on a voicemail for like an assistant to listen to potentially when you've also said the name of the client not great also that you're doing this from home where your husband could walk in and yeah, overhear you saying those, it is that phone line HIPAA compliant i just oh man oh uh so yeah it's like it just it became a horror movie for me seeing jill doing <laughs> the right thing but then then it, a saying too much and b tim walking in as it happens i'm like oh god no oh no 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 because 
I guess my worst nightmare is that, like, my therapist would be friends with Tim the Toolman Taylor and would tell him things about... I, I don't know. It's awful. Awful thought. Again, you know, there's just more... I don't know, other ways you could have handled this. Like, maybe Tim was going to surprise her at school. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that would be out of character for him, but, you know, I think you could more logically write a reason why he would go visit her at the school than her doing this from home. But uh, but anyway, him visiting her at the school in her office and, and uh, overhearing her do it while, you know, he's waiting outside or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, yeah and and then i don't know it, it's i mean it, it would i mean to me that would elevate the the tension between the two of them because she's doing it in the right place tim isn't supposed to be there isn't supposed to be eavesdropping and and overhearing here yes. it's like she's doing it in the middle of the house and he's coming downstairs so like you can't get up your ass too much about patient confidentiality when you are outside of the confidential zone anyway uh, yeah you're, you're already making uh, you're already making too many mistakes i i totally agree with you though would yes if tim had had way more agency in this and was like you know somehow hidden and jill was in a place she thought was secure and then it wasn't that would make uh make this make a lot more sense for her to be doing um you know, and then Tim Tim browbeating her to try and get her to divulge yeah. who it is that on Tool Time that's having an affair is really gross because it's just like, hey, it's this just blatant disrespect for Jill's profession. She's yeah. telling you, you already knew this, of course, but she's telling you, no, I can't tell you doctor-patient confidentiality. This is also Tim who got so upset at the end of last season when Jill talked on uh, on TV a little bit about Tim's midlife crisis and other stuff that right. he does. And it's like, oh, you put my my personal stuff out there in, in, in public for people, and my feelings are hurt by that. Um, uh, yeah, and... I, well, also, I mean, to add insult to the indus indus industry... To, to industry, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Binford is a pretty insulting <laughs> industry, especially to Randy. <laughs> to add insult to injury when it comes to the browbeating is that the way he does it is trying to guess who it is, Ugh. throws all these accusations out there and goes, I got it, Al's gay. Yes. Yeah, because he's he's got a tidy house and he loves his mom. Um, I mean, now listen, truth I'm be not, told... I don't want to listen anymore. I, we've... Uh, l l listen, listen to me, a, a good dude from the current times. Uh, we have talked a lot about how Al has sort of become an, uh, a low-key gay icon with the flannel and stuff like that. I'm just saying it would be... Al being gay would be a cool thing if it was done in a loving way, but you know that the way that Tim is saying this and accusing this, it's like Tim is trying to put Al down in a gross way. Well, and that is... I mean, th there's no scenario at all of Tim identifying Al as gay and calling it out as being empowering. Yes, <laughs> like, that is true. Very true. If it was, if the creators decided to make Al Borland, a, you know, a gay character that is completely different and allowing a storyline to bring that through naturally uh, and allowing Al the agency to explore that and, you know, uh, claim it for himself as his own sexuality and identity, then that's, that's, that would be great. Well, they're not but even, th there's no scenario in Tim going, let me put the pieces together and really try to identify who's gay and who's not. 
They're not even giving Al dignity and agency in his heterosexual relationship with a woman. I know. They're, they I would, know. yeah, that would not be there if it were anything else. Um, one thing that I thought was fun, a brief vacation from things we don't like, when Tim is okay. ticking through this list of people, is it Marv, the camera guy? No. Is it Milton? And Jill just goes, Milton doesn't go in for that kind of thing. <laughs> that that was really funny. That didn't make any of this worthwhile, but it was a really funny no. use of the premise. <laughs> the that is such a, a weird I wonder if there's some sort of inside joke about that that they are I mean, obviously it's an inside joke in that we've seen Milt on the show multiple times. We saw him last week as the lawyer who didn't speak any yeah. lines in that creepy ass mask. Oh, but, I remember. Um wh- why I mean, we we've never heard the name Milt before. Yeah, so how would we even know that that's him unless you have a podcast about this and you are looking at IMDb, you know, for two hours every time you cover an episode? I mean, because it, it, it's not like I don't go in for that sort of thing is a huge catchphrase from the show. People weren't walking around saying that one all the time. It's really only Thank people God. who repeatedly watched the show again and again over the course of multiple seasons, I guess would catch it. I, yeah, it really does feel like an in, inside, uh, an inside joke. I, yeah. anyway, I guess, I guess um, there was a cast member who didn't go in for that sort of thing. And yeah, it really had to be there. <laughs> Mark, uh, comes down at one point. This is his second and only uh, second and last point in the episode where he comes in with the camera. It, my, my anxiety, gets even higher when it's like, okay, Jill has just blurted out to Tim that that uh, Scott is cheating on Heidi, and this is already horrible, and now there's a kid with a video camera recording their argument about it. Fortunately, he only comes in for a part where they're going back and forth like, yes, you did, no, you didn't, yes, you did, no, you didn't, or something like that. Yeah. But, I, I mean, that you, you want to take the stakes to an even higher level, have it be on video. Actually, now that you... Now that we're talking about Mark, uh, the first time he appears, he says, uh, what was the line again? Uh, let's see. The, the, the first time he, he appears. Male no. delusion. Uh, well, okay. He says that, he, that uh, yeah, Tim is, uh, the delusion continues because Tim thinks that he's almost done with the nomad. But then he, he later says, uh, when, when Tim suddenly gets obsessed with adding a blower to the nomad, if you'd like to learn more about obsessive compulsive disorder, please consult your local library. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which i well you know and i guess the internet didn't exist in the its current form back in 1998 but um you know yeah librarians have a, enough on their plate <laughs> yeah they don't need yeah they, they don't need people who who you know who are hypochondriacs coming in asking them what what sicknesses they may or may not have um, right well, but and, then in this instance uh he says uh i, I can't remember but he says basically uh, the same joke structure for yeah he he records them fighting back and forth and turns the camera around and goes for more advice on marital stress consult a licensed counselor and it's like oh that's right yeah but this show's opinion seems to be that no you shouldn't consult a licensed counselor because they're just going to put all your shit in the street with their idiot husband (laughs) one other bit that I, i i that i don't fully understand about this scene is that tim is desperate to know who it is jill then tells him and then Tim is immediately defensive of Scott and saying, oh, Scott would yeah. never cheat on Heidi. You know, he goes on kind of a he goes on a pretty gro- gross rant about how women are always trying to make men look bad, which I mean, let's not even crack that. Um, yeah. He says that he'd never do this. He's a Chevy guy. And Jill goes, he's parking his Chevy in another garage, which gets a huge, huge laugh. But it just 
th- there's this whole thing uh, like where Tim suddenly, even though like he's desperate to know what Jill knows and then she tells him and then Tim doesn't believe it. But then the very next scene, then Tim does believe it. So Tim is like, this isn't even <laughs> like a plot line of Tim trying to redeem Scott's right. good name. It's just Tim taking a contrarian position in the moment so that he and Tim- Jill can fight. Here's my controversial statement for this yeah. episode. Tim doesn't need to be in this episode. <laughs> you sh- I think that's been kind of that's kind of the big uh, learning we've had from the podcast is that most episodes don't need Tim in them. These are just not <laughs> Tim-centric situations. Tim should be on the show as frequently as Dolores is on the show, and Dolores <laughs> should be on the show way, way, way more than she currently is. Uh, agreed. But like, you have Mark with a camera. Yeah. So you don't you have a better premise for capturing something private mm-hmm. and accidentally getting it out into the world? Yes. Yes. Mark finds this information out, and Jill has to talk to Mark and try to and and then we get into Mark and what Mark thinks about things and Mark's opinions about this issue and Mark. There's a learning, you know, a learning a moment, teach, teachable moment. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> Again, it's the it's the show where Tim dies in the first episode and the rest of the series is about Jill raising three kids on her own with a little help from <laughs> Alan Wilson and Heidi. Uh, it's called uh The Taylors. Mm, the Taylors. Just yes, like the much like the uh uh very dramatic version of the Brady Bunch, the Bradys that JTT was briefly on as a as a child before uh, Home Improvement. Um yeah. Mrs. Taylor's place, they'd call it. Um, yeah. All right, we get a, a scene slide transition oh, wait, wait, to. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Oh, one other thing. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to, to keep us in this place. This I know. All right. Part of Tim's reasoning for why this can't possibly be happening is when you work on a car with a guy, you get to know him. You know his secrets. So, okay. So obviously that's bullshit. But like. <laughs> so an option for an option for this to get out could have been Mark with the video camera. Another way for this to get out is Tim and Scott working on a car together, male bonding. Scott confesses that he did it, and then Tim has to grapple with that information. And then yeah. it's like, if you want to make this episode about Tim, fine. That's the way you do it. It is also centric to man shit working on cars. I'm making a lot of concessions to home improvement, letting them do things that I typically don't like. Well, but like you're they, you're much kinder than I am trying to censor this around Jill's school. So I, I'm just saying, like they could, like if you want to do it about Tim, then it's Tim and Scott getting close in this in this way that dudes do, sharing intimate information in this way, and Tim having that, and then it can be that whole thing about do I blurt it out or not, whatever, but then that's the whole thing doesn't require us to compromise Jill's integrity as a psychologist. Yeah. And it also uses fewer sets because you could do it in the garage. You could do the whole thing in like two <laughs> sets. Why would you build a therapist's office set? I'm sorry. I... Let, let's move on. <laughs> Please. Yes. We go to the restaurant and this says a lot about where this episode is because we get one of my favorite recurring actors in it. Yep. Uh, Antonio, the waiter. <sighs> Who in previous episodes of this show, previous seasons even, uh, has come in and just demolished the set with mm-hmm. his performance. Yes. Um, here he comes in to deliver really weak ass jokes. Yes, very like they they give him a lot of space and a lot of attention to deliver 
um, pretty pretty lukewarm stuff. Yeah. To, but to what the, happens in the scene? Let's start with that. Okay. They're at the. They're at. Uh, the, okay. And one more time. Not Santorini's. <laughs> Sorrentino. Sorrentini's. I practice Santorini's. Sorrentino's. Sorrentino's. They are at Sorrentino's. Uh, and uh, Antonio brings them their drinks. And as they're chatting, uh, Scott mentions that he has to finish dinner quick so he can be back at work at 10 o'clock because he's going to be working late. Uh, They notice that Heidi is also wearing an owl pin that Scott uh, gave her. Uh, Heidi gets up to go and call the babysitter. And while she's gone, Tim basically blurts out to Scott that he knows that he's cheating on Heidi. And then uh, Scott uh, immediately gives up all the details and spills the beans and confesses and Heidi comes back and overhears all this. And, um, yeah, all of their shit is out in the open and, uh, even the waiters getting involved. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I, I'm going to give us a palate cleanser real quick. Okay, great. Uh, the amount of alcohol that's being served Insanity. is impressive ridiculously good pour like the someone should call the michigan liquor control board because that's over serving <laughs> like the the wine glasses are full almost to the brim yeah it, there's like half an inch from the rim to the top of the the drink uh, t- tim is complaining later about how expensive the drinks were bro you you tip on top of that like those are good drinks you are getting two drinks per drink <laughs> um yeah also Who's ordering a Bloody Mary at night at an Italian restaurant? It looks like Heidi. But no, but like, why? Like, <laughs> why? That's not, that's uh, not. I don't know. It's, I've never once, I mean, like, a, that's like a brunch drink or a hangover drink. But I, I just, I don't think I've ever seen I've never one. Like, I've never, uh, I've. I've never liked Bloody Marys to begin with, so I don't know why you'd order it at any time. I, I, th- I, too, think that it is a disgusting drink, but having tried them, I know that that's not what I want to pair up with, like, mmm, some breadsticks and a pasta primavera. Like, <laughs> what? Really? Um, <laughs> yeah, like, she's having a Bloody Mary. Maybe she's also got the Penny Aria, but Arbiata. Uh, Arabiata. Jesus Christ. So she's just like, I couldn't have spicy food for while I was pregnant, so I'm going to go all out now. Granted, what, their kid's two years old, so maybe, I don't know what the fuck I, I'm talking about. Yeah, and the worst part is that these, like, all this drama comes out at this dinner, and, and these drinks are never touched. And it's like, it would make more sense if they are getting hugely overserved and they get sloppy and then all this stuff comes out. But we're to believe right. that, that all of this comes out stone-ass cold sober, which... I don't know. A lot of the, a lot of this episode would make more sense if everyone was just drunk the entire time. If Jill blurted, if if Jill betrayed her professional integrity because she was drunk, fair. Also, <laughs> I mean that would change the change the the flavor of most of these episodes. I think. Uh, well, yeah, but and also this same episode, Wilson is out back making that cider, that old timey moonshine type cider. Like maybe they're all just wasted this episode, Landon. It's not it's not a sloppy episode. It's actually they did a pretty good job considering how drunk they were. Um, they just they're hiding their alcoholism really well. Yes, they're not they're not hiding their infidelity, but they are hiding their alcoholism. Um <laughs> I yeah, so okay, so we, we've cleansed our palates. What what do you got, Landon? What what are you feeling? I don't know. I we, we've taken Tim to task pretty thoroughly so like I don't even I don't know that I have much more to say about him blurting this out here but um 
I there was a slight twist in the uh, affair that I found kind of interesting. Although mm-hmm. now that I'm thinking on it, I don't know how true it is. It sounds like maybe he's just bullshitting her. But <laughs> Scott says um, that it's over between him and Wendy. That it happened when they were on that break, mm-hmm. uh, and that you know, like I, that to me doesn't make it as egregious, but. He's going to go work late tonight. She was wearing the owl pin the other day. She was telling mm. Jill about the fair as if it's current. Yeah. So maybe he's bullshitting here and Scott's a worse dude than he appears. He's not so great. I'll tell you that. It's it's <laughs> like, yeah, it's weird that, I mean, it would make sense almost that, yeah, maybe he is still involved with Wendy. And even if he hasn't slept with her again, they've still got feelings or something going on. But if if he's being that clandestine and putting one over on them, it's just weird that he confesses the second Tim challenges <laughs> him on it. It's right. like Tim, like once Heidi is gone, like Tim is Tim is just full on talking to Jill about how like, I can't believe that Scott's cheating on Heidi or something. And then Scott hears this, wait, what did you say? And Tim just goes, yeah, nice, nice owl. You get him for the gross. You get one for Wendy too. Or you get him by the gross. And it's, yeah, he it's just it's just weird that he is that rather than denying it, he he confesses immediately when he has also gotten two pins for the same women who work at yeah. the same place. I, well, I mean, okay. Heidi knows I mean, Wendy. She knows her by name when she comes back and overhears yeah. them talking about Scott's infidelity. I mean, just as uh, this is why it comes down to the writing for me is like just as as weird as that choice is the. Tim's behavior in the scene doesn't make any sense. Like, okay, so we start with what we already, you know, you know, uh, explained with Mm -hmm. him blurting it out. And like, why would he do that? He was in denial. Now he's not. Now he's, you know, like just wildly inconsistent. But then after he says it, he's just like, okay, I'm going to have some dinner rolls. I'm going to drink this wine. And Jill's trying to get up and out the door. And Tim's like, what are you talking about? No, we're going to stay. Yeah. Like (laughs) none of it makes any sense at all. Why? Why is Tim want to stay there? He's completely apathetic to this marriage breaking up before his eyes that he's responsible for. All he wants is to butter a dinner roll. I he he throw like Jill throws money down on the table and says, "Okay, we're gonna leave. Here's money for the drinks." And Tim just goes, "Oh, honey, that's way too much. Hey, can I get change for a twenty? And and Jill has to pull him out. It, I yeah, it's like it's something that would be really funny on Seinfeld. Because that is the sort of <laughs> right. thing that Jerry or George would do. They would blow up a situation and then get upset about money. But it's like, I, I don't know, Tim. I, I, yeah, Tim has sown chaos and then just seems to want to just eat eat a eat a dinner roll to get his uh, to, to get his uh, you know carbs back up or something. Which isn't in and of itself unfunny. It's just inconsistent with the character and the scene that's happening in front of us. It's also inconsistent with the scene before, because in the scene before, Tim yeah. was adamant that Scott could never possibly cheat on Heidi, and then he sees an owl pin on Heidi and is immediately convinced that that he is cheating. So, I mean, if this is the, the, the crux of it here, why isn't Tim going, yeah, okay, so we heard about this affair. Tell her it's not true. Yes. You know, or why why isn't he looking at Heidi and seeing the owl pin and going, Oh fuck, it is true. You motherfucker apologize to Heidi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like 
there there's Tim is just a plot device in this episode and it it I don't know hinges on him but also puts him at the forefront and it, it's I don't know it's so weird it just doesn't work yes yeah um also like for something that is this juicy the concept of Heidi finding out that her husband had an affair it's like I, I, so so much happens so quickly and and so much happens off screen also I just, she comes back and overhears them talking about Wendy like like she comes back to the table as they are going he, Scott says oh you guys know about Wendy Heidi comes back to the table overhears this wait you mean Wendy Rogers Scott what's this about and the and you know waiter my guess is he's stuffing the cannoli and the audience goes absolutely wild we come back to uh scott saying it was months ago we were separated i was lonely i was miserable but so like that's it it's just she's heard the word wendy and that is the whole thing there's no more game or fun to her fun is a you know difficult term but like it it is just she hears the word wendy and then the whole thing is is over it's out there it's like this for this thing that's this big relationship destroying secret it is also it requires almost nothing to unearth yes agreed uh and i mean Here's a question for you. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah, I guess Heidi comes in at the end of the episode. But I was going to say, what, is this thing even resolved, really? Because <laughs> we don't see Scott for the rest of the episode. We, we don't, much like we also don't see Simon Chubb after he, uh, after he <laughs> tells Tim that, uh, that Brad could play soccer in England. I mean, it's just, right, th- right. there are these dudes who show up as guest actors, say just enough things. And they kind of look alike. They ought, they maybe they're the same guy. You've never seen Scott and Simon Chubb in the same place at the same time, um, <laughs> but but you know they they show up long enough to say the thing that drives the episode forward, and then they're just gone. They are they are you know yeah. bag over their head, you know helicoptered off to some black site. Um, uh, yeah, the, so they they leave they leave the restaurant with the relationship entirely in shambles, um, which is exactly why you shouldn't. Um, blurt out confidential therapy information. <laughs> Have an affair. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. True, yes. I don't want... Like, Jill fucked up, but the biggest fuck up here is Scott. Yeah. We go back home yes. where uh, Brad is eating potato chips and using a uh, subscribe to a magazine card uh, to pick his teeth. And Mark catches him with his camera. Yes. Uh, I Okay. Let's ring the alarms. I accidentally mm-hmm. said that <laughs> the last scene with Mark was the last appearance of him. This is the last appearance of Mark. Put it. Put a dollar in the jar. Actually, no. Put a Canadian I... dollar in the jar. That's that's the way that we do it for you. Is, um, is, that, m- is that better or worse than <laughs> than American dollars at this I'm, point? I can't keep track. The, the the real problem is that you have to keep going to the currency exchange to get it, and there's fees there. So um, I, I, oh, I think yeah, yeah. I would focus more, Landon, on just making damn sure that you know when Mark's last appearance in an episode is. That's it's that's where point. you should be uh, focusing your energies. Um, yeah, but so, yeah, Mark is videotaping Brad as he's picking his teeth, and then uh, Tim and Jill get home and are... Um, just kind of process what happened, sit on the couch. Jill is distraught that she's disgraced the psycholo- uh, psychology profession by blurting all this out, and Tim is upset that uh, Scott is making Chevy guys look bad. Boo-hoo. Um, yes. I will say the the there was a, a, a slight change of pace between Brad and Mark, where mm-hmm. uh, when Brad asks Mark, what are you filming? And Mark says, oh, I'm... Uh, 
just uh, filming strange and gross behaviors. Uh, and Brad's like, you want to see what I can do with a Q-tip? Like, yeah. There's a, there's a brief pause where it's like, in an earlier season, he would have like chased him out of the room to beat him up. Yeah. He's like, totally game. He's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, you have no idea the wealth of information I can give you. It, it was it was refreshing because he's because yeah he sits there and he goes come upstairs I'll show you what I can do with a Q tip I when he said come upstairs <laughs> I thought it was like okay come upstairs and I'll feed you a knuckle sandwich or something like that and right. when I heard that it was oh they're playing so nicely together that that was that was cute it's a proud yeah. parent moment <laughs> I don't have anything to say about Jill and Tim here I mean when Tim and Jill walk in the door uh, Tim is mainly compl- you know. You know, Jill is saying what an awful night it was, and Tim says, "Yeah, tell me about it. We just spent twenty bucks on two drinks." And I'm just like, "I would love to spend twenty dollars on two drinks. That sounds so cool." <laughs> I don't. I need to pull out my inflation calculator again, but uh, it's let's just say that's a that's a great world to live in. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just the way that Jill is talking about it on the couch, just saying, "Oh, I should have known that if I told you, you wouldn't be able to keep your trap shut about it." And it's like, okay, so we're so we're excusing Tim by saying, "Oh, he everyone should just know he's gonna do this." I, it, <laughs> right, it doesn't it right. doesn't need to be looked at that that hard, but it's it's you know it's just kind of a scene to fill out the scene and get us to Wilson, which is our next scene. Scene to fill out the scene to get to the next scene. Yep, we get to Wilson. He's out back uh, doing some science experiments on a cider. Yeah, it looks like he's cooking meth, honestly, with all the beakers and burners <laughs> and stuff. It's not blue, though. No. Uh, Jill comes out. Yeah. What happens? So she comes out and is chatting to Wilson about how bad she feels that she uh, broke Dr. Patient confidentiality by telling Tim about the affair. And then Wilson points out that she's broken it again by telling him. And... Wilson lays out to her pretty cleanly, yeah, it's really awful what you did, and if your supervisor found out, you could be kicked out of the program, and the school could be sued, and, you know, you'd be written about in textbooks for future generations to study, this is really bad. Uh, And then Wilson goes on to say that the fact that he feels uh, like he can open up to Jill means that she's going to be a great therapist one day. Well, in between that is the crux of the Wilson scene, which is... true. Jill says after he lays out the truth for her she's like wow I thought you were going to say something comforting and Wilson loses his shit he's like why the fuck do I always have to be the one out here passing sage advice to other people what if I have a problem no one ever comes out here and asks what Wilson what's wrong with you this week and he kicks over a a bushel of apples Uh, he like his his aggravated line of well, excuse me, why do I always have to be Santa's little helper? Is just great. Like, this Wilson outburst <laughs> is is a great moment, and I wish it was in a better episode. And I want to just, again, yeah. salute Earl Hinkman. Is it the first time this has happened? I feel like it happened before. I feel like I've seen this happen before, but it's still great. I, I still love, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, I just like Wilson a lot. And I think Earl Hinman yeah. is always giving a great performance. Um but yeah, so he he just has a little outburst, but then yes, yeah, says to Jill, "Oh well, I felt comfortable doing that around you because, and that's why you'll make a great therapist." And it's like, what? No, no. <laughs> like the, the the whole scene, just like Wilson spells out exactly how grievous and bad this was, yeah. and then just tells Jill not to worry about it. Basically, well, okay. Here's my two cents to try to make that make 
sense. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> good. Um, I, I, I'm really liking this idea that ever since Wilson had his one man show, uh, that he's been bitten by the acting bug. Mm-hmm. You know, he was directing Randy's play. So, and last week we speculated maybe the people that were part of his prank were part of an acting troupe. Mm-hmm. So yeah. maybe this whole thing was a, a bit of improv. Wilson was like feeling out the moment and was like, okay, I've quoted, you know, Socrates to, you know, my head's turned blue. Uh, let's try a different, you know, track here. And mm. when. Chill says it. He goes off on this thing, knowing that he's he's gonna make a point about comforting her, uh, but he allows himself a moment of improv to to really let loose and and feel the emotions of the moment. Uh, okay, that, I guess that that explains why after he tells Jill he thinks she's gonna be a fine therapist, he yells blackout and runs across the stage. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I guess I don't know, but I mean. I also, I guess, maybe my issue is just I don't think that J- Jill really deserves comforting at this yeah. point. Like, like, yeah, Jill, I the fact that you're doubting whether or not you deserve a psychologist's license is uh, the right response to have, and I don't think I can tell you that you do because <laughs> you you cracked under the under the most limited <laughs> pressure there was. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I mean, that's just evidence of a different episode, right? I mean, like, we're mm-hmm. f- four minutes from the end of the episode, not, inc- you know, including the, the credits and, and, and the blues and the logos. Yeah. So, like, that should have been, you know, at minute seven so that we can grapple with that for the rest of the episode, not, you know, <laughs> minute 18. Yes. Or, or it should have not been in the episode and Tim should have yeah. heard about this while working on the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, all of I, the above. Yes, I'm. I'm really lobbying hard for for my preferred uh, uh, storyline. Uh, a whole a whole uh, thirty or so years after this episode was made. Have you got more for 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 this for this Wilson scene? Um, I'm not gonna lie, I, I I'd experiment with some of his apple ciders. Yeah, I mean, I'd try it at least. But I would have to. I'd, I'd want to see the apples he's putting into it, though, because it would, would you know, it'd be a total Wilson move to do it with crab apples or, or like, old rotten apples <laughs> that he got because, ah, the, the people of, of this Himalayan uh, nation use these things. I, you know, I, I would want to make sure it's just regular apples, normal cider, not with LSD I, I'd in be, it. I'd be willing to experiment with a Wilson cider. I, I'd, I'd let him take me down a trip. Now, oh, okay, okay. Well, just be sure to like write your name and address and everything on a piece of paper and put it in your <laughs> pocket before you get started. <laughs> we go to uh, back inside the house. Um, yep. Brad uh, is on the couch. Tim is getting some coffee. The phone rings, and Brad answers it. Yep. And uh, that's Scott on the phone, and uh, Tim tells Brad to tell Scott that he's not there because he's not talking to Scott. And... So Brad finds out that Scott has Lions tickets, and Brad makes plans to go to the Lions game with Scott, and then Heidi shows up, and Jill lets her in, and Heidi sits down on the couch and basically says, yeah, well, I'm really glad all this came out. Uh, We had a big fight about it, and we cried and looked at our relationship, and we're going to work through it, and Jill says that she thinks they're on the right track, and Heidi tells Tim that he can start hanging out with Scott again, and um, yep. So it all just doesn't matter. It's all okay. <laughs> we didn't need to do well, any of this. I mean, yeah, this isn't... 
I feel like people have taken us to task and we've even taken ourselves to task in the past for like eschewing the the very premise of a sitcom, which is to return to the status quo at the end of the episode. Yeah. But when you get to something like this where it's like, okay, so just, you know, an affair can be, I mean, and I'm not saying an affair couldn't be talked through and you find a, you know, a better way, but like, Seeing none of that side of it is it. It just all you get is the he had an affair. Heidi got angry. They walked away, and Heidi came to her senses. Yes, like that's not a good message to put out there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I totally understand. You've got to have a return to normalcy. I totally understand that this episode can't end with Heidi getting divorced. I under. I understand that. It's just that the journey that we went on to get to this return to normalcy was so like unsatisfying and weirdly compressed and, and following the wrong people who are the least interesting part of the story. Um, You know, I I mean, again, a, a, a story about Heidi getting, you know, having her husband cheat on her. Like, yeah, I'm not saying that we, you know, yeah, that's fair game. There's a room for a great episode in there that is both heartfelt and funny and stuff. It's just, there's, one that can give Heidi agency and give her stuff to do and be, and th- that will just be more satisfactory. This isn't just me being a social justice warrior and saying, ah, it should all be about the women and their perspective. It's just her perspective on this is inherently more interesting than well, Tim's. I, th- that's the thing is like, it, it is like, it's either Heidi or it's Jill and yeah. it ends up being neither. Yeah. <laughs> be- only because Tim has to be inserted into it. Yes. I, so it's it's not it's not the return to normalcy. It's the fact that our journey out of normalcy was so uh, just kind of uninteresting. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't have much else to wrap up this uh, this episode. No. Um, we get some. Uh, we get a we get some bloopers where Jill Whoop. grabs for a pan and there's not one there. Yep. Ha. And uh, we get a, I, I wonder, okay, so we get one more um, alternate line, alternate take from mm-hmm. the, the restaurant where uh, Antonio, uh, instead of saying stuffing the cannoli, says hiding the ravioli. Um, and it seems like he was improving there. It mm-hmm. almost felt like, oh, okay, they've asked me back three times now, so I have a little bit of leeway to play with a line. Mm-hmm. And... I can't tell if the actors are trying to keep stone faced at just a very unfunny joke in general, or if they're like, dude, fucking stick to the script. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah, man, you're not going to be, yeah, you, we're not going to make you like uh, a, a featured cast member for the rest of the season. You're not going to be the new Randy. So stop, stop auditioning. <laughs> right. I, right. Well, and like, even if his like, attempts at trying to crack Tim Allen like he's a, a walk-on actor that would be delaying recording so mm-hmm. like there's no win scenario for him in that uh, also uh looks like he's been hiding the Italian sausage is a way funnier line than than you know hi- <laughs> than whatever he'd be like he's like hiding the rigatoni or something like that and it's like well I don't know because you don't hi- you, you do stuff a cannoli Yes. So you don't hide a rigatoni. Oh, you do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, if someone hides my rigatoni, okay, I want to find it before it gets cold. I can't laugh at that. That's that's a very traumatic situation for me. I I I, I want my pasta and I want it now. 
Um, oh, God. Let's go into a character actor corner for Ooh. these character actors this episode, shall we? Yes, let's do that. I'm sure these character actors are all very faithful to their partners, and I want to find out all about them. <laughs> we'll go in chronological order. First up is Marcy. Uh, she is the woman that they are building a wine cellar for. Yes. She is played by an actress by the name of Channing Chase mm. with 53 credits. Good number. Uh, looks like she was in six episodes of Mad Men. Ooh. Um, one episode, her... <laughs> uh, oh, wait, hold on. IMDb redid their structure here. I, Going I, back, IMDb's layout is vexing to me, frankly. I cannot figure it out. The I mean, they keep changing it for one thing, but yeah, this new one I'm not a big fan of. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see what the first memorable thing... Oh, she was on New Heart. Uh, for oh. two episodes, not the not the first one in the seventies, but the 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 second one where he's a dentist. Mm-hmm. Is he yes. a dentist in that one? Uh, is I there is there dentist. dentist patient confidentiality? Is that a thing? I would hope so. Um, Night Court, Golden Girls, uh, shocked woman in Bonfire of the Vanities. Sh- like <laughs> like well, okay, so just just being shocked by the ba- bonfire, I suppose. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the question of the moment is: Was she on ER? Uh, I'm gonna say no. She was not on ER. Playing Claire. Damn it. She appeared on four episodes of ER. You know, the worst part is that I was so interested when you said she was on Mad Men that I actually went to her IMDb page and am right now looking at a muted version of her reel, seeing that she played one of the main characters' moms on there, basically, and was real. But I. Even in doing that, I did not think to check if she was on ER. That's how that's how committed I am to the integrity of the game. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. Um moving next chronologically, we are hitting um Scott Scott Keppert. Question about this. Yeah. We met Heidi before Scott, before they were married. Wait, we met of course we met Heidi before she and Scott were married. Do you mean we met Scott before they were married? No, I'm saying we met Heidi before her and Scott were married. Yes, this is true. Okay. We were introduced to her as Heidi Keppert. Oh, really? What, wait, then he and took her last Scott, name? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> or they're related. Don't love it. Uh, let's not go there. Uh, do, you, do you think also when they were, like, what was the casting like? for scott because it's like it has to be like heidi who in the universe of the show is the most beautiful woman in the world like the casting people were like okay we got to find a guy so convincingly hot that he could be with heidi like we need the best looking beefcake of a dude and they well, did all right wasn't it previously stated that uh uh he was a firefighter he was he i think that he used to be in the marines and then maybe he became a firefighter like <laughs> okay it, it's these just what we're projecting on it, just just a checklist of of cool, sexy dude jobs. Guy, guys who date the girls that you like. Yeah, that's 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 what he is. Oh, uh, is communications for a nonprofit on that list? Uh, I think I think so. Yeah, yeah, it's right above Navy SEAL. Yes. Okay, great. Below um, astronaut though. <laughs> Scott Keppert is played by Mark Dobbies or Dobies. Um, <laughs> what's so funny? There is a there is a small elf character in a Harry Potter book I read as a child named Dobby, and that's just funny to oh. think of this beefy dude being named Dobby. <laughs> that 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 totally obscure 
wizarding book. I, I wanted to I wanted to underplay it because I don't want to give anyone the impression that I am a Harry Potter fan because I am not. It's just that's one of the like three things that stuck in my head from those books was a little <laughs> elf named Dobby, who I think was actually uh, uh, probably problematic in some way now that I think about it. Mm. Um, yeah, go on, though, please. Twenty two credits. Um, he has appeared on Nash Bridges. Mm. Everybody loves Raymond. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just shoot me. Ooh, he man. starred on one episode of the short-lived TV series of The Net. Ooh, wow! He's really for a guy with twenty-two credits. He's really right in the neighborhood of a of an ER uh, uh, appearance. Yeah. I have to say, he's really right in that '90s sweet spot. On Guiding Light, Ooh, he played in fourteen episodes. Uh, a character named Doctor Noah Chase. Hmm. Uh. Was I'm he on ER? I'm going to say yes. He was on an episode of Law & Order Criminal Intents, but mm, not ER. That is unfortunate. Um, well, I'm sure he was very good looking on that episode of Law & Order Criminal Intent, and he could have <laughs> given uh, George Clooney a run for his money, even though George Clooney was probably not on ER anymore in 1998. <laughs> uh, okay, we're moving on to Wendy. Uh, who is played by Hillary Danner. Mm. Hillary Danner. She Danner. has 24 credits. Uh, her first is uh, Saved by the Bell, The College Years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. All right. Uh, college. Looking through some of her other S- Psychology stuff. College? She was on an episode of Columbo, one of the very late season Columbos from 2000. Okay. Uh, Yes, she was on an episode of NYPD Blue. Mm, Okay. Diagnosis murder. (laughs) All right. All right. Um, Was she on ER? Diagnosis, yes. (laughs) Playing Tommy's mom. Yeah. An episode in 1999. She was on an episode of ER. Congratulations, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I feel two I feel, out of three. Yeah, I feel I feel okay. Well, mm, was it two out of three? No, I think it was. I think I was. I think it's one out of three. I got I got the first lady one out wrong. of three. Wow, man, I'm I'm. You're lucky that I'm here keeping you honest. You know that I would never cheat on you, Landon, because I'll tell you <laughs> even when you're giving me too high of a score. Well, I appreciate your honesty. So I I want to know what we learned from this episode. Uh, what we learned from this episode is that uh, you shouldn't cheat on your partner. That's the first one, um, and that <laughs> secondly, um, not not confessing, not divulging personal information that you learned under doctor-patient confidentiality is that like one of the most important things you can do, and it's really not that hard. All you have to do is just not say the information. It's you're not, yeah. So just don't do it. I, I, I I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I wish that I could have learned something better than that. But it's like it's just he was just asking you. You could just have said no. What did you learn, Landon? <laughs> uh, I learned that sometimes you don't need to script drama. Mm. That you can look within your home for examples of conflict that can be uh, recorded and demonstrated in uh, documentary style mm-hmm. to 
uh, f- filmmaking projects. I'm sure that Mark is going to win an Academy Award whenever he gets all this footage edited. <laughs> it, it'll, it, you know, his his story. At least get him is, into film school. Yeah, true, true. Honestly, that's those those are the real college years that that were uh, that Wendy from Saved by the Bell is is experiencing. He's definitely inserting himself a little too much into the scene to really get anything too good. But mm. you know, I don't think Frederick Wiseman started. <laughs> You know, as the fly on the wall as he became. Mark is doing gonzo journalism. He he becomes the story, and that's okay. <laughs> it's totally legitimate. Oh, uh. God. I want to wrap up this episode, but before we do, we have one last question we have to ask. <gasps> the grunt count. Well, Landon, what, what do you think it? the grunt count mm-hmm. was? I'm going to go with a big, fat O-ring. And you're correct. Tim kind of does an, oh, no, and he goes, oh, but it's very clearly laughing and not grunting. And these are both huh. both at the prospect of fixing up the nomad. Um, but <laughs> uh, Makes sense. Yes, it does. That's where it would happen. It's not, it, it's not oh, dinner roll. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's where he and I differ. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, I am I also am far more interested about uh, tuning up a dinner roll than I am about uh, tuning up a car. Um but yeah, once again another gruntless uh, uh gruntless episode. Which so there's our season tally up to 1. I th- I think it's I think it might be 1. Yeah. Um Wow. I know. I know. Uh shock. Shock again and again. Um yeah, no, we're gruntless folks. That wraps it up for this week's episode. Uh, just want to remind everyone that grunt work is made possible by our patrons. Mm-hmm. If you want to help us create today's episode and uh, consider becoming an official grunt head, you can do that over at patreon.com slash grunt work pod. He's um, not lying. You can trust that. I skipped over words and still made it work. Yep. Um, Professionals. <laughs> leave, You're improvising like a, Wilson. A rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, listen. Listen to this. Yeah. Okay. I'm listening. The, the, these aren't pre-recorded outros like every other show has. Yeah. We put time and effort into every ounce of this show. Yes. So uh, we want people to find us. Um, if you're still listening, please, this is a, a, a beck and call to you. Please rate us on wherever you listen so that it uh, it gets other people to, to find the show. Yeah. It really raises our cred there. Uh, it goes a long way. So we really appreciate it. Otherwise, we would just pre-record these outros and be save ourselves 10 minutes every week. We put all this time into recording these outros at the end of the episode when we are totally beat. The least you guys can do for your good friends Truman and Landon is go to a go to a page and click on the old five stars. How hard is that? <laughs> Seriously. Stop by to say hi to us on Twitter. Nope, on Instagram. Yep. Ha-ha. There's the one. I'm going to I'm going to remove Twitter from my notes here. There you go. This is more of the work Done. that we put in, guys. Come on, look at that. We're deleting stuff out of our scripts, live updates. <laughs> uh, or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com. I'm saying that every week for real. It's not pre-recorded. <laughs> it's, it's not. Um, <laughs> I'm absconding from a www joke. Uh, I pre-recorded it yeah, in the 90s. Our, our website's great. Um, until next week, when we bring you Episode 8, or will we? Mm. I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, real-life therapists actually take doctor-patient confidentiality seriously, so please don't let anything you've seen on a sitcom stop you from seeking out mental health care.